You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. This is episode number 316 of the Assembly Call, and it is episode number 25 of Assembly Call Radio, recorded on the evening of Thursday, April 27th, 2017. Well, the positive momentum continues for the Indiana basketball program as the transition to the Archie Miller era marches on. Last week, Archie and his coaching staff spent time in Texas and Virginia checking out some of the best high school talent in the country and doling out scholarship offers to a slew of four- and five-star talents who caught their eye. And this comes on the heels, of course, of locking in the three-man 2017 class and establishing important in-state relationships with the likes of Romeo Langford and Keon Brooks Jr., It hasn't taken long for Archie Miller to put his stamp on Indiana's recruiting, and with nearly half the roster expected to turn over after next season, there really isn't any time to waste. Well, I'm Jared Morris, your host for Assembly Call Radio, where each Friday we break down the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. You can find us right here every week. And of course, once the season starts, you can catch us immediately after every IU basketball game on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Watch us live at assemblycall.com or on YouTube Live and coming this season, Facebook Live as well. And if you can't catch one of our shows live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and more, and you will find us. All right, well, let's begin how we always begin, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And, you know, the banner moment tonight is going to sound maybe oddly self-referential, but my banner moment actually came during the midweek episode of the Assembly Call that I recorded with Mark Titus, uh, who covers college basketball for The Ringer. Uh, You may know him from his Twitter account, Club Trillion, and he, of course, played for Archie Miller when he was an assistant at Ohio State. So Mark really does have a unique insight into what Archie is like as a coach. And I asked Mark what current player he thought would benefit the most by playing for Archie, and his answer really surprised me. He said, James Blackman Jr. Now, we don't even know if James is going to return for his senior season, but I will say that the winds seem to be blowing a little bit more in that direction now than they seem to be a few weeks back, and James's return certainly seems more likely now than Thomas Bryant's return. More on that uh, coming up a little bit later. But it was Mark's reasoning why he chose James Blackman Jr. is the answer that was really surprising to me. He said that he thinks James would benefit the most because he thinks Archie could get James to actually buy in on the defensive end. Now, stop and let that thought just sink in for a moment. I mean, James is obviously a spectacular offensive player. If he returns, he's probably the best pure scorer in the conference, one of the best in the country, but all too often as Hoosier, as a Hoosier, he's been little more than a matador defensively, save for a few brief moments here and there when he's been really locked in. Now, if those all-too-rare moments could become more the norm, and if James could become even half the player defensively that he is offensively, he's a potential Big Ten Player of the Year and a possible All-American. Now, that might not be enough to lift Indiana to a Big Ten title or a Final Four in Archie Miller's first season, but it sure would go a long way toward the 2017-18 Indiana Hoosiers maximizing their still considerable potential, and it would completely change the narrative of James' career. We saw it just a couple of seasons ago with Yogi Ferrell. After he flirted with leaving school after his junior season and then matured into a superstar as a senior, who knows? Maybe James Blackman Jr. could author a similar happy ending to his Indiana journey as well. 
All right, well, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host to my left, ladies and gentlemen. He's a world-renowned bracketologist, the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and the father of two remarkable young daughters. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what was your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, I don't have a uh, humble brag I can you know shoehorn in here like you just did, so I'll uh, I'll steer clear of that and just leave that be your territory, which is really more something that Ryan would do if he was here. So <laughs> I'm glad you're able to do that since he's not. But um, y- you know, it it I feel like we've we've talked about this the last few weeks, and it it feels like you're waiting for the momentum that has kind of building and seems to be continuing to build. Um, to kind of start to wane at some point, and yet it never has. And and every week seems to bring something new to get excited about. You know, this week, uh, whether it be some of the the items from the recruiting trail, uh, or the you know the media availability this week, which you know I guess is what I'll take. And 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 maybe taking a step a little bit away from from Archie Miller in this case. But you know, some of the the interviews with the staff, I thought to a you know to a man, each of the three of them, uh, you know, listening to them talk. You know, you heard a lot of the same points from from each person to another, and that kind of focus of everybody moving in the right direction and and really kind of um, you know really preaching the same values uh, over and over, but in a in a candid way and in a different way from each of the three uh, you know coaches in terms of Tom Ostrom, uh, Bruiser Flint, and uh, and Ed Schilling. I, I thought it just kind of refreshing to hear them all all their thoughts about Archie. Uh, I think are very re- reinforcing. Um, you know, to, to people who are excited about him and just kind of the kind of person he is and the kind of demeanor he has. And I think you can also see how the different experiences that each of those guys have had, they're all very experienced in their own way, uh, will really, you know, kind of kind of help shape the staff and shape the program and, and make this an interesting and intriguing place for a lot of different kinds of recruits to come. <clears throat> um, I think you've got the ability to attract different kinds of players from different areas of the country based on the staff that he's been able to put together. And uh, I, I just came away you know, really impressed with all those guys and thought it was uh, was cool to they each had their own chance to kind of answer some of the questions and uh, talk about their philosophy and where they see the program going. So, you know, another of the many reasons to get excited. And uh, if, if somehow Archie can maintain this level of excitement for the duration of the offseason, uh, it will be like something we've never seen before. But for this week, he managed to do it. So we'll uh, see if we can keep checking the box week after week. Absolutely. All right. And to my right, filling in for Zach and Ryan, the latter who is on NFL draft duty this weekend over at TheBigLead.com, is Michael Dugan. Michael is in his second year with the Assembly Call after joining us as a student intern. He's already hosted several post-game shows, as many of you know, and he currently hosts The Hoosier Life, our show about the other 23 IU sports, which you can listen to at TheHoosierLife.com. Michael, welcome back to the Assembly Call. What stood out to you this past week? Well, I'm going to kind of go along the same lines that Andy did. There were some quotes from a couple assistants that stood out to me, Ed Schilling and Tom Ostrom specifically. Uh, Schilling said, and this is from from inside the hall, that high school coaches still have a big impact within the state of Indiana in recruiting decisions that are made. Uh, And he says it's not like that everywhere. So I wonder if the pride of the Hoosier State kind of plays into that. And then I read another quote from, from associate head coach Tom Ostrom Uh, That says when he met with coaches and people and families and players around the state up to this point, he said that he believes most people want IU to do well, want Indiana to do well. So, you know, again, that's talking with recruits. um, And we know that Archie's philosophy, like he said, wants to be inside out. So a part of me wonders how much of, you know, the the want to play for IU if you grow up in Indiana. We've, you know, people have talked about Tom Crean's ability to get guys within Indiana to come to IU. I wonder how much kind of the the Hoosier pride has dwindled, if you will. And I wonder how much that Archie and his staff, especially Ed Schilling, who was born and raised a Hoosier, can kind of not necessarily reinvent that, kind of implement that pride back into these recruits and back into the high school and AAU players within the state and see if we can get that Hoosier pride up to the point where, again, this is the marquee destination for Hoosiers. And that was not the case for a period of time. But it seems like you know, just based off what these guys are saying and how they're approaching this recruiting trail, it's looking like we could be very well going down that path again. Absolutely. All righty. Well, we have a jam-packed show for you this week, as we always do. We will start with headlines and talk through the most important headlines from the past week, including Archie Miller's very strong comments on Deron Davis and a recruit's very candid comments about the differences in recruiting style between Crean, or between Archie Miller and his predecessor. And then we're going to go with a Q&A again. That was so successful last week. We're doing it again this week. You sent us questions via Twitter, and we're excited to answer them. And then we'll end with a final question in which a Twitter user puts us on the spot in April to answer a very difficult question 
and we will do our best to do so. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, real quick, a word about this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. As you know, the NBA playoffs are in full swing, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way that I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually used SeatGeek twice this year to buy tickets to Mavericks games to watch Yogi play, so I know it works. I can vouch for it personally. Uh, And SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever, and it doesn't just end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. Best of all, Assembly Call listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, well, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Michael Dugan. And, guys, I want to follow up uh, with each one of you real quick on, you know, James Blackman Jr. and Thomas Bryant. Uh, Obviously, they both have decisions. Robert Johnson does too, but I think everybody assumes that he will be back. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, my banner moment was, you know, Thomas Bryant being in the workout videos and, it, you know, kind of feeling like the winds might be blowing that he'd be leaning towards coming back. Now, just based on some of what we've seen publicly from, you know, Archie Miller not really mentioning him in the press conference, but mentioning James Blackman Jr., you know, not seeing Thomas in any of the videos, just some of the chatter that you hear, it now seems to me like James coming back is much more likely than Thomas coming back. Um, And again, that remains to be seen. You know, combine invites haven't come out yet. We need to see what all shakes out there. Uh, Andy, what's your kind of general feeling like? Did you read anything into Archie's comments? And, and we'll talk specifically about Deron Davis later. But I thought how much he talked about the opportunity being there for Deron was even maybe another clue that at least at this moment, maybe he's thinking, you know, he's not going to have Thomas Bryant next year. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Everybody's in this situation where they're trying to to read between the, the lines and figure out what's going on. It reminds me of, I think it was a year or two ago, my daughter was at soccer tryouts and sitting there with all the parents and you're watching like, oh, these kids are on this field. And then they move this kid to this field. It's like, but what does it all mean? <laughs> so I feel like that's exactly where we are with this right now. I, I think uh, even before that, I think we touched on this last week, you know, you'd started to hear a little bit more of the the winds with Bryant kind of blowing in, the, in a way that would, would suggest he may not be back. And I think certainly nothing this week has has you know made a a move to to think otherwise and, and i guess on some level if you thought that only you know, one of the two of them uh, was going to come back i guess in some ways james seemed to be the more uh realistic of those you know obviously you know big men who can you know stretch the floor a little bit and shoot from the outside like bright shown um you know, a bit last year, I think there's a, a place for that. And I also think you can see a scenario where he continues to get picked apart from a, you know, lateral agility standpoint and, and some of the things that um, you you would kind of harp on that are negatives of his game um, versus James. If you, if you put yourself in his shoes, the knock on him has been defense. Archie Miller's known for coaching a defense. If you can come back, buy into that and prove that you can uh, play on that end of the floor. I think he becomes a little more attractive, albeit a year older. So I, I guess that seems like the way things are leaning right now. Uh, hopefully, like everybody else, not trying to, you know, it's NFL draft night, so the smoke screens could be out there for different things going on. But it, it seems like that's the way that's leaning. And I think, um, you know, one of the, the listener questions later addresses, you know, what I what that would mean for IU to not have um, Bryant from a depth perspective, which I think is a, a really, you know, kind of underappreciated part of, of him potentially leaving. All right. Now, Michael, you know that part of the Assembly Call internship program is you're supposed to be doing investigative reporting on campus to help us answer these questions. So what have you got for us? Do you have a definitive answer? I'm losing countless hours of sleep trying to dive into the minds of different students. No, but I have had conversations with people uh, basically weekly on how they feel things are going, if they know too much, if they're looking far into it. Um, And people, I guess, right now are kind of anxious. The mood is just, you know, I mean, not anxious, maybe not anxious, maybe more curious um, it's kind of a relaxed curiosity, if you will. People aren't, you know, losing their minds, dying to know what's going to happen. I think everybody has a sense of comfort too. They know Archie Miller is going to win here. Uh, I was talking with one of my good friends' dads. He's he's a huge fan. Grew up in Bloomington, lived in Bloomington. He's excited for Archie Miller. He's ready for the season. People, they're just curious to see what's going to happen in terms of these guys staying. Uh, it's a general consensus. I think a lot of the students, and this is just off. 
who's listening to what, who has insight whatsoever. Um, I personally are with you guys. I think the winds are blowing more that Blackman's going to stay and Thomas is going to go. But again, purely speculation. But in terms of all, the on-campus vibes, people are people are ready for next season already. And and they're feeling pretty good about Archie Miller, which I mean, at this point, can we're kind of waiting for him to give us a reason to not. I mean, it's, it seems weird to say that, but the, everything he's done has been right from keeping all three commits to stay. Uh, and even that letter that he wrote to the second grader, which I thought was awesome. It also shows us that he's not constantly in the film room 24-7 and he does have time to relax, even if for just a minute. But no, the vibe on campus is good. It's it's certainly different from what it was at the end of February, early March. No, it was awesome. And we'll even forgive him for calling them candy pants instead of candy stripe <laughs> pants, which I thought was the best little detail about that letter. Hey, can okay. we talk about how it definitely looks like he scribbled that in, in marker that he took oh, off the whiteboard? Hey, to- totally okay. We totally give Archie a pass for that. All right. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, it's headlines. We will discuss Archie Miller's interesting comments on Deron Davis, a recruit's interesting comments about the differences in recruiting philosophy, and much more. Stick with us on the assembly call. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Michael Dugan, and it is time for headlines. And so let's jump right into what I thought was the the biggest headline uh, this week for IU basketball, and that was the comments that Archie Miller made about Deron Davis. These were strong comments, uh, and I'll direct you to Inside the Hall, where they have uh, the entire uh, uh, transcript of Archie's comments, plus the videos that you can watch. But the comments about Duran really stood out. So let me just read a few of these for you so you get a flavor for it. And this is quoting Archie Miller directly. Quote, getting my eyes on Duran this spring really put me in, I guess, an aggressive mood with him in terms of what he has to do for next year. He's going to be a major, major league player for us next year. The opportunity is there. He should be one of the most improved players in all of college basketball if we can get done what we want to get done. It starts with his work ethic in these next, I guess, 12 weeks physically. He's got to change his body. He's got to change his motor. He's got to prevent injuries and do some things which he didn't have the opportunity to do a year ago as he entered campus. When he can play 25-plus minutes a game without fouling, you're going to see a guy that can do a lot of different things. And he ended it with, quote, we've just got to find a way that when when you guys see him in October and November that you say, wow, what happened to him? If you're not saying that, then we didn't get it done. That's just the way it's going to be. If we say that, then you're going to be like, wow, he looks like a new man. Then he's going to have a chance to have a good year. So, Andy, I mean, when you read that, when you heard that, what were your what were your immediate thoughts? I, I love the last part about, you know, it's our responsibility to get him to a point where, you, where everybody says, wow. I thought that was, uh, I, I, you know, I love that part of it. I think it's just part of the, you know, kind of no-nonsense, straightforward you know, kind of comment that we've, you know, in a, in a few short weeks really become accustomed to from, uh, from Archie. And, and I think he also talked about the commitment that Duran's making to be there over the summer, which is important because it's a reminder of the fact that he really came in behind in a lot of ways last year. And when, you know, he had to finish up some things academically, didn't get to campus, wasn't able to spend the summer, uh, not just getting to know the guys and getting to play with them, but really get, get into things from a conditioning perspective. And you saw, that limit his uh, playing time early in the season. And um, so when you see what he was able to do as he kind of was getting his feet under him in the midst of Big Ten play, gets you that much more excited of what they could really do with him over the summer. So to me, it was just a reminder of he didn't necessarily start quite where everybody else did and look at what he was even as a freshman in a difficult basketball conference, particularly for a, a big guy playing in the post. Um, and, and you think about some of the, you know, foul trouble and those kinds of issues that did plague him in games, um, just the conditioning. And and again, as we start to think about what, what things might look like without Thomas Bryant, he's going to have to play a lot and has to be in, in condition to play a lot. And so, um, just makes you that much more excited. I think, you know, as soon as Ryan discovered him, we were all pretty excited for, you know, what he could, uh, you know, what he could turn into. And I think, um, you know, you see a plan laid out there. Uh, with the staff that really want to work with him to get him there. And I think that's going to be a huge key to how this team ends up faring uh, next season, even if Bryant were to come back, but uh, particularly if he doesn't. That was a great deadpan delivery there. Hope everybody knows that you were uh, being sarcastic there about Ryan discovering him. Although he would be sure to no, remind that's not, us of it. No, he's, he's discovered anybody... <laughs> 
anybody good for Ayun Lad. He, he, he is unearthed. You so. know, and, and one thing we've talked about is Archie obviously hasn't coached a lot of big guys, didn't coach a lot of big guys at Dayton. Uh, but as Brian in our chat reminds us, you know, the, the late Steve McElwain, who obviously tragically passed away, you know, but Brian said he improved as much from high school when at Dayton, you know, as a guy that he's seen to where he actually did say, who is that guy? And so that's kind of a precedent there, a precedent of Archie being able to take a guy and really helping him improve. And Duran obviously is a guy, you know, much more highly recruited with a lot of natural talent. So, you know, Michael, what did you, I guess what I'm curious of, uh, you know, from, from kind of, you know, being a younger person yourself, you know, uh, you hear that, you know, you hear a coach, I mean, he kind of called Duran out publicly, but he certainly did it in a shared way where it wasn't like, you know, Duran's, you know, doing bad things. He, I mean, he lauded him for his skills and for his commitment to stay, but he was very direct with, hey, he's got to get better at X, Y, Z, even to the point, you know, he did one comment I didn't mention, and he basically said he could work out without a ball for the next four or five weeks just to work on his body. You know, how does that strike you? I mean, is that, do you, do you like it when a coach, you know, kind of calls a guy out like that publicly? And do you think Duran will, will respond favorably to that? I think so. I would think so from, from, a 20-year-old's perspective, that's Deron Davis's age. I think that when you're a true freshman and you get the playing time that he did and he has all the attention that he has, I think you kind of carry that burden to, you know, I may get called out publicly and there's going to be a lot of pressure on me to succeed and to get better. I think OG felt that pressure. He showed a lot of excitement as a true freshman last year. And, you know, he had an injury plagued year. He couldn't stay healthy and he wasn't, you know, quite, he was he was good, but he wasn't great. So I think that, you know, as a freshman, if you if you get all this playing time and you have all these moments and he was really one of two guys that were relatively consistent on a remarkably inconsistent team last year. When you're when you're that and, and mix that in with being a freshman, I think you kind of have to carry the burden of you may be the target of some public comments, both positive and negative. And I certainly hope that he carries that and, and kind of owns that and, and works this offseason because there is a lot that he can improve on his game. He was good, but you can't plug this guy in and, and 30 minutes a game expect him to, to be as efficient of you as he was when he played 8, 10, 12 minutes a game. So there's certainly a lot that can be improved upon. But, I mean, the starting the starting points are there. He's got he's to get in the weight room and, and get more aggressive on, the, on his rebounds and, and whatnot. There's a lot of things that we can kind of nitpick. But to, to answer your question – I, I like the public comments. I, I typically don't read too far into those, whether you're talking about it publicly or privately. But, um, you know, from a college kid's perspective, if if you if your coach, your brand new coach has that much trust in you to call you out at this point in your career, your young career uh, to call you out and expect big things, it's got to be a, a, a boost of confidence. Man, Michael, I just, Michael, just want to say that's a great word. Trust. I agree. I think it does show trust in Duran that he's willing to say that publicly because he, he clearly wouldn't say that if he didn't think you know, that, that he was going to be able to handle it. So I think that's a great point that you make. Andy, what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, I just think uh, to me, it, it goes right along with all the other, you know, just kind of straightforward. There's no, you know, there's no facade to what Archie Miller is doing. I think at any point that's there. And I think he's just putting out there what his expectations are. And I think it's, it's certainly fair for him to have those high expectations and to, uh, you know, to put him out there for him. I, I think he's one that's, you know, clearly not going to pull punches. I think it's just another example of that where, you know, I, this is a guy who I see a lot of potential in and he needs to work with us. Um, as we kind of talked about off air, there's kind of that shared accountability implied in that and needs to work with us to be able to reach it. And um, so I don't see anything wrong with that. I think being able to set those expectations and push people to uh, to meet him, however, you know, he thinks is the right way within a given player is uh, is not a bad thing at all, because I think it's, you, you know, it, 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 as you kind of contrast that with some of the, you know, the Korean things about leadership and turnovers and things like that, it just kind of felt like this, you know, blanket. I'm throwing out these statements, but it's not really I, I don't know. It just felt like an easy thing to to throw out, but it wasn't super specific. It wasn't really directed at anybody. And this is very much a, I expect this of you because you can be this good and you owe it to yourself and everybody else to, um, to make these improvements in yourself and to do this dedication. I think even, but, but at the same time was able to praise him for saying, yeah, he's making that commitment by staying here in the summer and all those kinds of things. So I thought it was a little bit of a contrast of not even calling, calling somebody out, but like a different way to speak publicly about players and what the expectations are. I think than what we've seen, uh, in the past. 
Yeah, it wasn't wishy-washy at all. He just he challenged him, you know, and I think obviously we will see, but I, I think a guy like Duran will respond well to it. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Michael Dugan. So that was our first headline. Let's move on to headline number two, and this comes from the Indianapolis Star where Zach Osterman gave his impressions of Archie Miller's press conference and said, you know, the good news for IU is that Archie Miller looks at ease. And just talking about the command that Archie seemed to have over – the roster and staffing and scheduling and everything. Uh, and, and as he said, what was theoretical a month ago has quickly become reality for Archie Miller. And Andy, you know, you and I were talking about how, you know, in addition to the comments on Deron Davis, you know, he had comments on other players, you know, talked about how Juwan Morgan could really be a special player. And I think his comments specifically about Devontae Green really stuck out to both of us. Uh, you know, he said, you know, he's got, he's got, you know, some stuff about him, which I thought was a great description of Devontae Green. And I kind of get the impression, I just, I feel like Devontae Green is going to be a favorite of Archie Miller's because I feel like he's going to see a bit of himself in Devontae Green, kind of an undersized, feisty guard, uh, you know, that maybe shoots a little bit better than you expect him to, isn't going to back down, is going to play tough defense. I feel, I just, I feel like we're going to see a lot of Devontae on the court because I think he'll respond to Archie's coaching. And I think those two guys are just going to have kind of a kinship because of how they play. And, you know, so maybe comment generally if you want to on, on, on kind of Archie seeming at ease, but also, you know, specifically on this idea of him really seeming to have a good grasp of the roster, because I thought his comments about the individual players that he did speak about were very insightful. Yeah, I think, you know, I think what what you said, being able to, to get a better handle on the current roster probably has led to him being more at ease. I mean, initially he's walking into a scenario where there's a lot of unknowns. And I think it sounds like, you know, he really took the time early on, spent it with the team, getting to know those guys held true to his, you know, I've got to recruit these guys. You're my guys now mentality. And so I think that has helped him feel at ease. Cause I think now he understands better. Here's what we have. Um, and, and what we need to get and where we need to, to go. Uh, I think that having a staff in place, uh, you know, kind of having that first, you know, cycle of recruiting and some of that under his belt where, you know, you've kind of, absorbed the first round of these things and, and been able to spend some time in the gym, which is what he said, you know, where he really loves to be. And so um, I definitely thought he felt more at ease just because there's, I think for him a bit more stability or, or more knowns than unknowns at this point than, than probably was the case at the beginning. And as far as Devonte goes, I mean, I would agree. It, 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 he seems like the exact kind of guy that would have really thrived under him at Dayton. Um, and as you said, maybe sees a little bit of himself in him. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Devontae's prior comments, even before he got to IU, before Miller was even there about wanting to be the best defensive player in the conference and things like that, uh, are certainly that mentality is going to sit well, uh, with what Archie wants to do and talking about ball pressure and all those kinds of things. And if he's able to provide that, I think that's uh, a really quick open door to a lot of playing time for Devontae on a team that doesn't really have. Uh, a true point guard. And in fact, he might be the best true point guard that they have. So um, I think there's a lot of things that point toward him potentially being able to, to really earn some significant minutes. And we saw again, similar to Duran got off to a little bit of a slow start, but really, you know, had some good games in, in big 10 play and started to become more comfortable. And uh, yeah, I think he, he's definitely a guy I look for uh, look for big things from this year. Michael, what jumped out to you? Uh, oh, sorry, having some trouble with the mic there. Um, I, I think, Jerry, we talked about this before the show. Uh, Archie's comment on Josh Newkirk said that he is a great – he has a great character level and is a tremendous worker, and that was just after saying Robert Johnson and James Blackman are some great shooters. He said James Blackman is one of the greatest shooters he's ever been around. So kind of a slap to the face of the shooting ability of Josh Newkirk, but it's no secret that he's not the best shooter in the gym at all times. But he is a great worker, and we saw that last year. I think – I said this on the last show during the regular season that I went on. I can't remember what it was. Maybe the Northwestern game at home. But – he, he showed steady improvement throughout the year, and at first he was kind of lost and occasionally looked like a deer in the headlights, and the offense would kind of stall through him at times, and he would turn it over a lot, and his turnovers cut down, his points per game went up a little bit, and he looked more confident with the ball. So his confidence growing is the was the most important thing that I noticed last year from Josh Newkirk. Uh, and this year, hopefully, you know, Archie notices that he's a hard worker. For what we know about Archie through the first four weeks is he's going to work incredibly hard as well. So we'll see if they can, you know, form some bond and, and, and see what happens there. But I think Josh Newkirk ended the year on a, on a pretty, pretty good trajectory on the upswing, at least, which is, you know, different than what some guys can say. Some guys had a, had a pretty rotten end of the year. So hopefully he can kind of ride that wave of momentum and maybe we'll see a little point guard battle 
at the start of the year between between Devontae Green and Josh Newkirk. But I liked what I saw from Josh Newkirk to end the year. So we'll see if we can improve on that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, I think, how the guards develop under a coach who played guard at a high level and maybe can maybe understands and can communicate the nuances of guard play perhaps a little better uh, you know, than the previous coaching staff. And it's not necessarily to knock the previous coaching staff. It's just a, a reality of you know experience that they didn't have. And, and I think we'll see. Uh, how that can impact the current guys. Well, quickly here, our third headline, uh, Eric Hunter, a, a player in the class of 2018 that Indiana is recruiting. He made an interesting comparison uh, between the old and new staffs. Uh, he told Inside the Hall, remarking on Archie Miller, he's a serious guy. He won't be like the previous IU staff, kind of wishy-washy. If he likes me, he's going to let me know, and if he doesn't, I'm going to know. Uh, and Andy, really, you know, I, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time here, you know, browbeating the old staff. Um, I think we we know that there were some issues with recruiting in terms of strategy and commitment and just kind of coherence of what they were doing. But I think what this does more than anything is it's just it's kind of one more piece of evidence of what we've talked about and been so impressed about with Archie, the directness, which clearly the players, you know, the, the current players have seen and appreciated and the recruits seem to be responding to as well. And I think that's only going to serve him well in the long run, both with his current team and with the guys that he's trying to attract to Bloomington. Yeah, I, I I would echo the exact same thing. I mean, I've I've mentioned it a few times in here. He's just he's not pulling any punches. He's going to tell you what he thinks. And I think when you contrast that with some of the you know talking about, uh, I think you and you and Alex talked about this on the podcast on the brink this week. Just the kind of approach to recruiting and you know handing out scholarship offers and things like that. I mean, he's going to be more selective because he's going to understand and has a clear picture of what he wants, how he sees guys fitting into that. And uh, I you know I, I just don't think there's there's not a, a salesman aspect of what he's going to be doing from a recruiting standpoint. Um, and, and maybe some people like that as they get into the process and, and want to be, um, you know, really kind of hyped up and all those things by the coach. I think, uh, there's also the type of guy who wants what I think Miller is going to provide, which is the directness and the, here's how I see you and, uh, and all those kinds of things. And I, I, I like it a lot. I think he's, uh, he's made it clear, what his strategy is from a recruiting standpoint. I think his actions since then have backed it up. Uh, and I think that that level of directness uh, is something that's only going to benefit him. And it may not be for everybody, but I think you're going to be able to weed out pretty quickly who it is and isn't for and, and find the type of guys that he really wants to get in. Absolutely. All righty. Well, coming up, we turn our attention to your questions. You asked on Twitter and via email, and we will answer a lot of good ones. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Remember to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. You will get our weekly six-banner Saturday news roundup plus our world-renowned post-game analysis emails the morning after every IU game once the season starts. You have to be a member to get those. The URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris here talking IU basketball with my co-host on the Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms, as well as our student intern and the host of The Hoosier Life, Michael Dugan. Go to thehoosierlife.com to listen to that. Uh, and remember that you can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. And for the second week in a row in our third segment, we're going to do some Q&A. Uh, hopefully this continues to go well. Uh, but you guys asked us some questions on Twitter, and we are excited to answer them. And so let's go with the first question from Craig. Uh, and Craig's question is, what has impressed you most about Archie's first month on the job, getting Hartman back, keeping the three recruits, hiring an excellent staff. We've touched on a lot of this, so let's kind of go through quickly. you got to pick one. What is it? Andy, what's impressed you the most? I think the fact that nobody has left um, from a player standpoint. So I guess that maybe is you know, skirting this and, and taking both the current roster and the recruits, but um, it's pretty much unheard of in these kinds of scenarios where a new coach comes in and, and no one learns. Now, who knows? That may happen. That may need to happen. Uh, depending on what what uh, you know James and Thomas decide to do, but you know, quite honestly, to to come in to players that you didn't recruit who are already there, and talk to players that you didn't recruit who were committed, and be able to talk to them in a way that makes them all feel comfortable enough to continue to be there, uh, is really something to be said for that. To be able to spell out what your vision is for the program and for them. Uh, and portray that as something that they want to be a part of that much so that nobody leaves, I, I think is a pretty amazing job and, and one that um, I, I think you'd struggle to go back and find examples where anybody has done as good a job of doing that. 
Uh, Michael, other than Archie's indefatigable uh, commitment to Mother's Mother Bear's Pizza, what has impressed <laughs> you the most? Well, that's certainly something that we can all agree on is his commitment to Mother Bears. But I, I have to echo what Andy said. Keeping those three recruits is is remarkably impressive when you think about it because those guys have had relationships with coaches for months, sometimes years, and those coaches are still you know at their respective schools. Now these guys that are getting recruited by Tom Crean, uh, going to the school to play for Coach Crean, all of a sudden that guy's gone. Archie's able to keep them at the school despite a brand-new coaching staff. I think that, that it's – it's more impressive the longer you think about it and the the the, the, the deeper you dive into it, rather. Um, it, it's it's remarkably impressive what he's been able to do. They're keeping all three of them, not letting one guy go quite yet. Um, it, it's 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 impressive. And the hiring of an excellent staff. But what has impressed me the most is his ability to keep those three guys. Yep. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit, uh, but I'm going to go with some of the personal touches that Archie has made. I've seen several uh, thank you notes that he's written in response to letters that he's gotten uh, kind of circulated on Twitter. And it's just really impressed me. I mean, he's got 8,000 things that he needs to be doing, and he's done a ton. I mean, keeping the players, recruiting, everything he's done, and he's still found time to make time for the fans who have written him and thanked him. And I think that personal touch and that commitment to reaching out uh, to IU fans who who make this program so special and make this program what it is and help this program endure through good times and through bad times, that has really, really impressed me and shows that, you know, he's committed not just to using Indiana basketball to further his professional goals, but to really becoming part of the Indiana basketball family. And I love that. I love seeing it. Uh, and, you know, it's clear just from, you know, what you've seen from his wife and his daughter that the family is really embracing it. And so that, I mean, in addition to all the basketball things, that has really impressed me a lot. And and that means also that we would encourage our listeners to start a letter writing campaign to get him to come on the show. Yes, uh, obviously a big fan of mail in general, so I think we're good with that. I think you know the other thing. If I had to pick one other one quickly, I think it's it's the recruiting inroads that he's, you know, again how quickly that pays off um, in Indiana and with Indiana kids. I don't know, um, but again, he laid out what he was going to do. Has done that in this time period and. Um, I think we've all read and heard a lot of positive things that he's you know, started to build those relationships that are necessary. Um, and I think given everything else that's going on, it would have been easy to you know, kind of say one thing and not get as into that, as, that aspect of things as he already has in terms of talking with high school coaches and inviting them in. So I think that's another one to, that hopefully pays dividends, maybe not in this next class, maybe it will, um, but I think really laying the foundation for, uh, for good relationships that are going to lead to a uh, you know, better relationship with some of the Indiana kids than we've, than we've seen the last few years. All right, so here's a really intriguing question. This is from Indy Sports Partisan, and he says, if Thomas Bryan is gone, as all signs point to, who relieves Duran? With the addition of Justin Smith and Hartman, am I the only one expecting to see limited McRoberts and McSwain? Arch typically doesn't go deep. Uh, now, part of the reason he hasn't gone deep, you know, is because he's had some injured rosters and just, you know, hasn't had the kind of talent level at Dayton that he has at Indiana. But Andy, I mean, how do you see that rotation going? Because Duran, you know, for as good as he is, He's a guy who averaged seven fouls per 40 minutes last year. He's got to get that under control. We talked about the conditioning. You know, so I think if, if, he can, if he can play 25 minutes a game, I think you're feeling ecstatic. But there's still a lot of minutes then down in the post, you know, both the five and in some matchups at the four that Indiana's going to have to figure out. How do you see that rotation going? Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. That may uh, Archie may harken back to some of his days at Dayton when he didn't have too many guys over 6'7", because really once you look past – Duran, you've got Clifton Moore, who we've already talked about as an exciting prospect, but a guy who really needs to add weight isn't going to be able to uh, to bang with people in the post, at least probably not initially. So I think you could see, you know, smaller lineups, space in the floor. You could see a Juwan Morgan playing center. Um, Archie talked a lot about, um, you know, what he liked from Juwan and his versatility. I think he may have to do that. Uh, and I think he's got the kind of mindset and, and toughness that would allow him to, to steal you some minutes there. I think McSwain can play in that role. You know, an active guy, not very tall, but athletic enough to uh, to be able to do things defensively. And, um, you, you know, it really becomes kind of difficult to see after that, you know, what that front court rotation would really look like, because, um, you, you know, to think any of the freshmen would really come in. You've got Tim Priller potentially, uh, you know, maybe coming in and, and being able to, you know, a guy that he may turn to there. Um, but I think you, you're probably most likely to see. You know, Morgan really trying to, you know, playing small with him. We've seen Colin Hartman do it. Whether, whether you know, Miller will ask him to do that, we don't know. Um, but I think you've got some guys that have shown a willingness to, you know, kind of play against bigger guys and, and play tough and, and hopefully can take advantage of the matchup 
on the other end offensively and hopefully schematically on defense, uh, you'd be able to to maybe hide them a bit better than they've uh, they have in the past when they've had to go small against bigger post players. Yeah, I just I, I really struggle to see Clifton Moore being able to defend uh, at a high level, you know, as a freshman. Uh, you know, but I think I you know to take the one part of this question, you know, seeing limited minutes from McRoberts and McSwain. I don't know on McRoberts, but I feel like McSwain's going to find his way onto the court. You know, he's a tough, gritty guy. He gets offensive rebounds. You know, I don't know that he's going to play 10, 15 minutes a game, but I thought we saw him really understand his role toward the end of last year, and I think he'll find a way to earn consistent minutes, even if it's in, you know, kind of a small scale. But that's a guy who he's got some fouls to use. He's going to get you some offensive rebounds. He's an athlete, and he just does everything right. He works hard. He does, you know, the right things, you know, in practice and off the court. And so I think he'll find a way, uh, Archie will find a way to get him on the court, I think, especially, you know, if, if Indiana finds itself uh, in positions where Deron Davis is injured because Freddie McSwain is a guy who plays a little bit bigger than he is just because of his hustle and his athletic ability. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Column. Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Michael Dugan answering the questions that you sent us via Twitter. This is from Kevin. Who do we see running Archie's point next year? Newkirk, Green, a committee. Uh, Michael, who do you have in the point guard race? You going with your boy, it's, Newkirk? I, I think I have to just because of the conversation we had earlier and how I felt about him going after, you know, entering the offseason after this past March. I, I saw an upswing on him. Obviously, he can't score as well as maybe Devontae Green can in terms of their ceiling, if you will. But I, I think that with in terms of Newkirk's command of the offense, which, again, is going to be different, you know, this year, his command of the offense last year and his ability to kind of be a floor general, he wasn't great. He wasn't Yogi. I'm not going to sit here and say that. I don't even know if he has Yogi potential in terms of being a floor general, Take not even considering his scoring ability. But the way that he kind of he, he made the offense flow and the way that he kind of kept everything in check, I, I, it was promising. It wasn't great. It wasn't spectacular, but it was promising. And, it, it, you know, with work with this new offense, if he can get comfortable with it, I've seen coaching changes kind of throw promising point guards off before. It's happened at Northwestern more than once or really just once um, with, with, a new, with a point guard and a new coach. But um, – you know, it's very possible that a point guard who has to be the floor general and has to control the offense, it just doesn't click with them. And maybe they're going to have to go a different route. They're going to need a point guard that's going to go and score. And that's, your, that's Devontae Green if that's what Archie Miller realizes this team needs best. So at this point, it's kind of a blind guess. But I, if, if I had to choose, if I were in Archie's shoes, I'd, I'd roll with Newkirk to start the year and see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, I think we saw the Robert Johnson experiment at point guard. I don't like it. I don't think he really seems to like it, especially if Archie wants to play fast. So I think, you know, Newkirk and, and or, uh, Robert and James playing off the ball works well. And I think I think we'll see Newkirk or Green. Now, I don't know who's going to start, but I think you'll see a rotation with those two guys. And I think they both have strengths. And I think they'll both improve under Archie. So I, I think that will be a much, you know, I don't know if it'll be a possession that you'll call a, a position that you'll call a strength next year, but I don't think it'll be as much of a weakness as it was this year. And I think those guys will really improve with more time under Archie. Uh, Andy, let me ask you this question from Chris. He wonders, where is IU most likely to improve under Archie? If you had to pick one, would you expect Indiana to have a top 50 defense, turn the ball over fewer than 15 times a game, or make more free throws than the opponent shoot? Oh, man, how glorious would that be? <laughs> man, that's a tough one. Those are all, uh, those are all good options. I'm going to say the defense. Um, if I had to rank them, I'd probably say defense, free throws, turnovers, even though I think all three of those are potentially attainable. But I'm going to say defense. I think, uh, you know, when you look at what he's been able to do on a, a consistent basis at Dayton, it's been, it's been solid. Uh, I think we've seen the pack line system contribute to some other uh, consistently good defensive teams uh, across the country. And so I think from a, uh, I think that's while the personnel is different, I think that is a a scheme and an approach that Archie is very comfortable coaching and implementing. And so I think that, um, you know, somewhat independent of the personnel is something that he's going to be able to to really get to work. And I think there's enough guys that he's going to be able to find to put some pressure on the ball. You know, again, kind of going back to the last question, maybe where Devontae really comes into the mix. Uh, if they can put that pressure on the ball initially, set up the rest of the defense the way that he wants, I think that one seems the most uh, attainable. But I think I, I wouldn't be shocked if all three of those things turned out to be the case next year. Well, Brian in our chat, he's voting for all three. So he is uh, he's very <laughs> bullish on the immediate returns from the Archie Miller era. Uh, I like the confidence. All right, uh, our final question here from Tyler. It seems apparent Thomas Bryan is leaving as he hasn't been working out with the team in the videos or in the team photo recently. 
That would leave us oversigned by one if James Blackman Jr. and Robert Johnson come back. All right, no PC answers allowed. What are your thoughts on what Indiana does in terms of being won over and how they handle it? Now, look, this is obviously with the caveat that, you know, we don't know about internal discussions, what guys' plans are. I will say from my perspective, I, I don't like the immediate jump to, you know, you know, Priller needs to be the one who's gone. This is a guy who's put in three years. He's going to be a senior. Plus, he's tall, and that is a position of need for Indiana. And no, I don't think he can come in and give you 10, 15 minutes, but we saw him this year, like in the Purdue game, come in and be effective in short bursts at knowing his role, setting some screens, using his fouls wisely. So I, I don't think that is the place that you should immediately jump to. I think what Archie is going to have to do is understand, you know, which guys are really committed to the program, maybe which guys you know, aren't feeling quite at home and may, you know, maybe there's someone who wants a change of scenery. I don't know. And maybe you talk to that guy, but I think then you really have to look at from the program perspective, which are the guys that you really think fit your system the best. And so maybe, you know, if you just look in terms of playing time and you look at a guy like Grant Galon, and if, as if Archie Miller has the same vision for Grant that Tom Crean did, then maybe, you know, he's not the first guy that he goes to, but he would be from the outside looking in, just the the and it, you have to get you know you have to go from 14 to 13 maybe he's a guy that I talk to and and just see how he's feeling about his role would he feel more comfortable at a school where maybe he'd be able to play sooner I don't know it's a it's a not a good situation to be in as Archie said he inherited it but he'll fix it and so I think a lot of it will depend on internally what is he feeling from certain guys but to me Again, just looking at it from the outside, I think maybe Grant Galon, just in terms of what you expect and project from them in the future, might be the guy who seems to fit the least. Um, but that's a decision Archie's going to have to make, and I don't envy him for having to make it. Uh, Andy, quickly, do you have any different thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, for me, it becomes difficult. I, I struggle to see any of the seniors because I don't know that any of them would grad transfer. I don't know if Priller's in that situation. So that would be maybe an option if that was the case. Um Otherwise, the only other guy that I would throw out is potentially Curtis Jones. I know people made things of of Archie not mentioning him specifically there. I don't think we can expect him to go over the whole roster, but he's a guy who was somewhat inconsistent last year. Um, has a lot of other guards potentially back on the team this year, and could he be in a you know kind of a playing time crunch where he was a fairly highly regarded recruit? Um, and does he want to go somewhere where he thinks he's going to be a, a, a sees a more clear path to? Uh, to playing time. So that might be the other guy I throw out. I, I guess the, the two that you and I mentioned seem, I guess, for a variety of reasons, potentially the most likely, but uh, I guess that remains to be seen. Yep. All righty. Well, coming up in our final segment, we answer one more question. This one from Nick on Twitter. He's putting us on the spot. It's an impossible question to answer this far from the season, but we're going to do it. See if you agree with our responses. That's coming up on the assembly call. listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris talking iu basketball with andy bottoms and michael dugan wrapping up this episode of assembly call radio all right here is our final question from twitter from nick who will be the mvp of next season's team a question that we have to answer without even knowing who is going to be on next season's team but we will never back away from a challenge so let's do this michael who you got mvp of next season's team all right, really quick. The numbers may not reflect this, but in terms of the intangibles, I'm going to have to say Jawan Morgan. I, I think that, wow. you know, it, in terms of value, sheer value that he has to his team, again, you can't really measure it with, with direct statistics. But I think if, if at this point next season, if we look back and say envision that season without Jawan Morgan, I think he's going to have the biggest impact on this team's hopeful success. Okay, interesting. I'm going to go out, go out on a limb there. Juwan Morgan. All right. Andy, who you got? I actually thought about Juwan. Um, I, I'm going to say Jerron Davis, just to kind of go back to the, the point before. Uh, I, because maybe this is the optimistic part of me, but if we look back and say Jerron Davis was the MVP of the team, that probably means the season went pretty well because so much is going to be expected of him playing in the post. So maybe I'm just trying to project forward for a way that the season is a is a glowing success. But, I, you know, again, I think we've seen what Archie expects of him. I think Duran will be able to respond to that. I think when he talks about, you know, can they get done what they want to get done with him in the offseason, made the commitment to stay. Uh, I think they do it from a strength and conditioning standpoint. We've seen what he could do even with limited, uh, you know, kind of practice time leading into the season last year. And so I think if all that happens – 
uh, you know, we see Archie get a chance to, to play with a big man, wants to play through the post. So uh, I'm going to say him. I'll be curious to see if you, you say the other guy that I was uh, potentially thinking of for years. Well, you know, I'm going to make a prediction here where I could basically be drawing dead within a month if he doesn't even come back. So this this oh you are you are going to go with the other this prediction could definitely backfire. But I got to go with James Blackman Jr. I mean, I think if you think he's coming back, I mean, he's the odds-on favorite to lead the team in scoring. And if he you know decides to play some defense and just has the maturation that a lot of times we see guys have as a senior. I mean, we saw a totally different. Yogi Ferrell as a senior and a lot of times you see that with guys who are up and down for their first few years but I thought we saw some flashes from James last year on uh, some games you know like the Michigan State game when he was really locked in even on both ends uh, and I think if he does that and he brings that mentality again I think he's a Big Ten player of the year candidate and I think he's going to be your most valuable player I think Juwan will play great I think Duran will play great uh, but to me if Blackman comes back he's the guy now, if Blackman, if we assume that Blackman isn't back between Morgan and Davis, I'm going with Morgan simply because I trust him to stay on the court more. Although, you know, with him, it's kind of an injury concern with Deron Davis. You know, it's kind of foul trouble and conditioning. I think a big key for Indiana, no matter what happens, obviously, is for both of those guys to stay healthy, stay on the court. And if they do that, Indiana can have a good season. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to support the show, please share The Assembly Call with a friend or family member who loves IU basketball like you do. You can also visit assemblycall.com support to learn a few ways you can help, from donating to grabbing official Assembly Call gear to buying IU merchandise that you'd buy anyway but using our special affiliate links, which get us a commission. We rely on the support of audience members like you to keep the Assembly Call alive and growing. Once again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash support. Thank you, and as always, Go Hoosiers! Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details.